Hello, this is David Wilcoxon, and I said in previous videos that there would be three videos about the connection between Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and Messiah's Olivet Discourse. But since there are so many verses that need to be provided to give the whole picture, this is the third of four videos. And to understand the context, please watch the previous videos. Daniel understood that Daniel 9.26 proclaims that Jerusalem and the temple were to be destroyed, which meant the effectual end of the Jewish nation. So he prayed for more information. Daniel was not praying about the end times or the Antichrist, but about what would happen to the Jews. Daniel 12 is the answer to that prayer. In Daniel 12.1, we see the delineation between unbelieving Jews and those who believe in Messiah, whose names are written in the book of life. It says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people, the believing Jews, shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So it proclaims that judgment is coming upon the unbelieving Jewish nation during the time of trouble, such as never before since there was a nation and that the Jewish believers will be delivered from it. When I was reading the commentaries about Daniel 12.1, something stood out. Many great theologians say that the great Prince Michael represents Messiah. And that's interesting, because Daniel 9.25 calls him Messiah the Prince. The Geneva Bible study notes from the Protestant reformers in the 16th century says, God will send his angel to deliver it whom here he calls Michael, meaning Christ, who is proclaimed by the preaching of the gospel. John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible from 1748 says, The archangel, who has all the angels of heaven under him, and at his command, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the prince of the kings of the earth. Matthew Henry's whole Bible commentary says, Jesus Christ shall appear his church patron, and protector. The destruction of Jerusalem, which Christ calls, perhaps with an eye to this prediction, such a great tribulation, as was not since the beginning of the world to this time in Matthew 24:21. This the angel had spoken much of in Daniel 9, 26 and 27. And it happened about the same time that Christ set up the gospel kingdom in the world that Michael our prince stands up. It's pointing to Messiah the Prince coming to save the remnant and to him causing the desolation of Jerusalem, the temple, and the unbelieving Jewish nation. Did Messiah the Prince protect his people? Yes, he gave them the key sign, the abomination of desolation in his Olivet Discourse to escape to the mountains for safety. And I will use the narrative of the Olivet Discourse in Luke 21, 20-28 to summarize the fulfillment timeline. Luke 21, 20 says, And when ye see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. The abomination of desolation occurred in November 66 AD, when Cestius and his army surrounded Jerusalem to take it captive after a Jewish rebellion. Daniel 12 describes 1290 days between the occurrence of the abomination of desolation and the temple sacrifices being stopped in 70 AD. Luke 21.21 says, Then let them which are in Judea, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. So he's telling the people, don't flee to Jerusalem, flee to the mountains. When Cestius and his army left Jerusalem for no reason, and the Jewish rebels chased after them, the Jewish believers took the opportunity to flee to the mountains of Pella, 
northeast of Jerusalem in the Decapolis region. This was a Roman province, so it was a place of protection from the Roman army's attacks on Judea. At the beginning of Messiah's ministry, he cited the passage in Isaiah. Luke 4, 18-19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. At the time, Messiah didn't cite this part of the prophecy in Isaiah 61, 2. And the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Messiah finished the declaration three years later, as he cast judgment on the wicked Jewish leaders. In his Olivet Discourse, he proclaimed that judgment is coming upon them in that generation. Luke 21.22 says, For these be the days of vengeance. So we see the match to the day of vengeance of our God. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written in Isaiah may be fulfilled. This is what Daniel 9.26 is describing when it says that the people of the prince that come, the Jews, cause Jerusalem and the temple to be destroyed. This is what Daniel 12.10 is describing when it says that the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. It's pointing to the Jews delivering their promised Messiah up to be killed and to their punishment. When Messiah was on the cross, he said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Judgment, vengeance, was determined against the rebellious Jews who killed the prophets sent to them, who rejected the father's son and delivered him up to be killed. Luke 21.23 says, But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Recall that in Luke 23.28-30, when Messiah was being led out of the city to be crucified, he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the paps which never gave suck. Then they shall begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. The time of trouble for the Jewish nation during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD was horrific. They wished death over the sufferings they faced at their own people's hands. Luke 21.24 says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The latter part of Daniel 9.26, which is about the Jews and their city, says, And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. In 70 AD, at the end of the three-and-a-half-year Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD, the Gentile Romans flooded into Jerusalem and killed hundreds of thousands of Jews by the sword. So we see a direct match between those prophecies. Luke 21, 25-26 says, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Matthew 24, 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. This is figurative language used in the Old Testament to describe a people group losing power. In this case, it's pointing to the Jewish high priest, the sun, the Sanhedrin, the moon, and the priest, the stars, either being killed or taken captive and sold as slaves. Luke 21:27 says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
Matthew 24, 30 says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is not pointing to Messiah's second advent, but to him getting vengeance against the wicked Jews who would not have him as their king. Coming on the clouds means to come in judgment. It was a sign that Messiah, the one they rejected, was ruling from heaven, and he caused the mighty Roman army to desolate the unbelieving Jewish nation. The Jewish leaders asked for a sign, and they got one. They got the sign of Messiah dying and rising again on the third day. That was their sign. But no doubt they saw the sign that Messiah was ruling from heaven and causing this judgment to come upon them during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 to AD. Luke 21-28 says, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. What were the believing Jews delivered from? The persecution of the wicked Jews and the calamity of the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 to AD. Matthew 24, 31 says, And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. This is not pointing to Messiah's return. In scripture, the word agalos can describe leaders. In this case, the leaders of the Jewish believers in Pella blew the trumpet to call an assembly after the war ended, to map out a ministry plan. Some returned to Jerusalem to minister to people there. Some stayed in Pella to continue that ministry. Others spread out into the Roman Empire, proclaiming the gospel, where Messiah's ecclesia grew rapidly. And I cover all this explanation of the Olivet Discourse in detail in the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. Luke 21, 29-31 says, And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth. Ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, Know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. At the beginning of Messiah's three-year ministry, he cleansed the temple. Then three years later, he cleansed it again. But he found no fruit in the Jewish leaders, and he cursed the fig tree, symbolizing his judgment of them. Luke 21, 32-33 says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Which matches... Matthew 24, 34-35. All of the things that Messiah described, from Matthew 23, 34, to Matthew 24, 35, were fulfilled in that generation. The context was the judgment of the Jewish nation. The context was the desolation of the temple. Those things happened by 70 AD in that generation, when the temple and the city and the Jewish nation were destroyed. In Daniel 12, 1, we see the two types of Jews, those who believed in Messiah whose names are written in the book of life, and those who rejected him. We see the judgment against the wicked Jews during the time of trouble, during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD. So let's bring the story full circle. In Romans 9, the Apostle Paul proclaims that a true Israelite has a covenant relationship with the Father through faith in Messiah's atoning work. Romans 9, 6-8 says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. But the children of promise are counted for the seed. So, Messiah is the seed that's being referred to. Those who believe in Messiah, they are the seed of Abraham. 
In Romans 11, the Apostle Paul warned the Gentile believers not to boast against the unbelieving Jews. Romans 11:25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Paul is saying that the unbelieving Jews' eyes were blind, so they could not see the coming destruction. The Gentiles being referred to is the Roman army, who flooded into Jerusalem and desolated the Jewish nation in 70 AD. In Romans 11.26, Paul proclaims that the true Israelites, the Jews who believed in Messiah for salvation, were saved from the Gentile Romans' desolation as they fled to Pella for safety. It says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So who is Israel? Daniel 12.1 tells us, Those whose names are written in the book of life. The Apostle Paul told us in Romans 9 that not all Israel is Israel. A true Israelite has a covenant relationship with the Father through the Son. All of Israel was saved as they heeded Messiah's warnings about the abomination of desolation, and they fled to the mountains of Pella for protection during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 to AD. Paul is not talking about a dispensation period of the Gentiles. He's pointing to Jerusalem's desolation and that the Jews whose name is written in the book of life were saved from the calamity of the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD. And this matches up with Matthew 24-13. But he that shall endure until the end of the Jewish-Roman War, that same shall be saved. The believing Jews were delivered from the Romans' hands, but the unbelieving Jews were desolated. We can see that the chosen people of Daniel 12 were the Jews who believed the Messiah, called the true Israelites, who were saved spiritually and physically. So indeed, all Israel was saved. Daniel 12.4 says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end of the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Daniel 12.7 points to the scattering of the power of the holy people, the unbelieving Jews. Daniel 12.9 says, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. This is not talking about the end times, but the time of the end, of the latter days of the Jewish nation. Daniel 9.26 points to Jerusalem and the temple being destroyed, which took place in 70 AD when the Romans flooded into Jerusalem. It says, And in the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. We see the clear match of the Jewish-Roman War and the end of the Jewish nation. Daniel 9.27 points to the consummation, the end of the Jewish nation, as punishment for their abominations. And for the overspreading of abominations, he, Messiah, shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. The end is the Roman siege against Judea in 70 A.D., but these prophecies were hidden from the unbelieving Jews' eyes, lest they flee the coming destruction. So Daniel 12 was sealed up from the unbelieving Jews' eyes, so they didn't know to escape. But the saints knew because they heeded Messiah's instructions in the Olivet Discourse that when you see the abomination of desolation, when you see an army surround Jerusalem, where they shouldn't be, flee Judea. And we have historical evidence from Josephus that the saints did flee to the mountains of Pella for protection during the war. I'm going to stop here to keep the video short and we'll finish the explanation of the relationship of Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and Messiah's Olivet Discourse in the next video. If this video helps you, please click on the thumbs up, make a comment, and share it with others.
You can print out PDF summaries, request a free PDF copy of the 70th week of Daniel 9 Decoded book, or get a printed copy at www.70thweekofdaniel.com. That's all for today. I love y'all. Shalom.